Welcome to Learning with Lisa, Student Success Beyond Expectations podcast with Lisa Navarra, award-winning educator, consultant, behavior specialist, author, and parent. This podcast provides support for school leaders, educators, and parents. We share and discuss evidence-based resources that are embedded in social and emotional learning to meet the needs of students who struggle focusing and learning. Teachers and parents find information and strategies to improve students' academic, behavioral, and social-emotional performance. It's time to turn kids from I can't into I can. Welcome to Student Success Beyond Expectations. Today, we bring you Tina LaRusso. She is the president of Mount Sinai SEPTO and she's a special education advocate. Her heart lends herself to those who are in need for their children because she's had that prior experience within herself as well as her children. You know, Tina said something just before that I absolutely have to share with you. And that is she said, Everyone needs to be educated on executive functioning. It's actually really difficult to identify and understand. Currently, Tina has a number of clients where she's seeing that within the school teams and the teams incorporating these parents and families, there's a breakdown within their communication. So we're going to talk about the different reactions that providers and educators, parents have when it comes to identifying and understanding executive functioning and how it impacts both the child educationally, socially, and academically. So welcome, Tina. Hello, thank you for having me. I am so excited to have you because you are just a passionate wealth of knowledge full of experience that I absolutely know our listeners are going to replay this episode. So I know you have so much to share based on that introduction of you and the executive functioning communication piece. I'm going to let you run with it. Where do you feel is the most important thing right now that our listeners need to know? I think that everyone really should educate themselves to the best of their ability on executive functioning because it encompasses so many different facets of how a child interacts, not only with their parents, but with their providers, with their educators, and how they absorb information and how they're able to relay what they've absorbed. And when there is a breakdown there, there is that executive functioning disorder, it comes out in so many different ways. And it fools so many. Um, Some people think that it's a behavior or they're being defiant. Um, Some people think that they're not understanding the questions when it just takes them longer to process that question. Some people think that there's even physical issues because when the brain, the executive functioning portion of the brain is telling your body how to move, but where we'll just say, you know, go pick up that book over there. And it, we don't think about it. We get up and we move. They're going, okay, which, which foot do I get up with? Which way do I go around the obstacle in the middle of the room? Which hand do I grab it with? There's multiple thought processes going on and it's unseen, unheard. And when you're just observing these things, you can take that information and depending on your perspective, how you think 
you see what's going on or how you feel the child is either behaving or, or, you know, I feel like there's an applicable, um, what's the word? Basically like an onus put on, on the child, on the, but from the observer's perspective. So it can be, yeah, it can be an array of things you know, that some people will diagnose or think that they are seeing something. Exactly. Oh, that's it. He's defiant, not cooperative. She always has to get her away instead of saying, gee, you know what? Maybe there, maybe it's something more. And you're right. right. This executive functioning deficit exists in so many of our children and it's invisible. And when you Absolutely. say like it's unheard, and it's unseen, that's what they call it, like an invisible disability. So we're setting our expectations of what they're able to do based on their outward appearance instead of understanding and meeting them where they're at. Yes, definitely. And, you know, along those lines, there's, you know, with the different people that work on a team with this child, if we take one in particular, uh, everyone's approaching things differently and you don't have that consistency. So you're, the child's not gaining the tools that they need because they feel that everybody wants them to do it differently. And where they examples? may, oh. <laughs> okay. so which one shall you choose? Everything's still yes, fresh in your which mind. One shall I choose? You know, it could be as simple as, you know, everybody's brain works differently, of course, and our special children's brains work differently as well. And it's all about unlocking those keys and finding the tools that work best for them. So if a parent finds that tool and is able to, let's pick, you know, like say an elementary age children, uh, a child that is working through a math problem. And we all know that math can be done multiple different ways. And I'm not even talking common core. There's just multiple ways to do different problems. And when you find that way that works for a child, you want to share with the team. There is really no wrong way. <laughs> and you want to make them understand that. But yet then the teacher says, you must do it this way. And there causes some confusion. Um, and the child, you, you know, these children want to do well and they want to perform and they don't want to upset anyone. So they are trying now when it's difficult for them to learn one way, they're learning multiple ways right. because everyone has an input and that creates another realm of issues. Right. Now uh, you get into some of the behaviors out of, out of frustration or self-concept. Yes. You know, you mentioned it causes confusion. Do you think that it has to do with a lack of education in this area? So I believe that the, the bulk of the confusion comes from a lack of communication. Um, you know, we have great providers, we have great educators on this island, but when one hand's not talking to the other, mm-hmm. um, you get that breakdown. and. With, you know, we all know anyone that has a child with special needs knows when you find something that works, it's gold. You want to yes. do a dance. Yes. <laughs> you want to celebrate. Yes. So 
so when you do find something that works and then you see a breakdown in another area of the day, whether it be with a specific provider or within the you know, academic setting and, and versus home or vice versa, that everyone should be communicating what has worked. Um, you know, it's no different than having, you know, research driven data on any program. It's, you know, it's gold to anyone working with that child and that child as well. And to have that consistency calms the child also. Oh, and absolutely. it gives them, yes. yeah, it gives them, you know, the safety, security. I know what to yes. expect. This is where I'm supposed absolutely. to be. Everything's getting along. Everything makes absolutely. sense to me. It might not be easy, but it makes sense. It makes sense. I know what's expected of me and I know how to do it. Right. It gives them that self-assuredness to attack yes. another problem. Um, because task initiation is one of the biggest things you'll see in someone that has an executive functioning issue. And they may not know that there's an executive, you know, everything's labeled ADD, ADHD. And there's a, always a component of executive functioning with that. Absolutely. So, that's that's truly mm -hmm. what it is. As a matter of right. fact, the name is wrong because it's not a deficit. In attention, <laughs> right. Yeah. It should right. not be. It should be executive functioning deficit, not attention yes. deficit for all those reasons that of what you're saying. So let me yes. ask you this with all of your experience in working with different teams and families. Do you have any suggestions or do you see any ways that these educators and providers and parents can communicate better than they are. How can that happen? I, you know, always suggest team meetings. You can have as many as you need <laughs> throughout the year and they are priceless uh, to get everyone on the same page to, and, and, you know, always get your own education, do your own research, seek out professionals in you know specific areas um, and bring that to the table because you're with your child the most, you know your child the best and you can implement simple things at home. And when you find something that works, you absolutely should share that with the team. Yes. Um, yes. They all want to do well for the child. And um, when, you know, when you share, it creates that consistency again, which is again, gold because I've seen way too much of a breakdown and, you know, children in tears, uh, behaviors kicking up because there's so many different expectations between one setting and another. And that meeting could be 15 minutes. It doesn't it, have absolutely. to be a long time. Absolutely. I've, I've been in them five, 10 minutes. It's just, right. this is what we've done. This is where we're at. This is where we're going. This is what's worked. These are the tools we're using. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, some some tools are grown upon and, you know, there's a natural progression, but if, you know, there is a lot of moving parts, especially as you progress through the academic years and there may be different educators along with your different providers, you're just adding to the team all the time. So it's really important to get that kind of consistency in your life early and in the academic setting early and move forward with it. And, you know, you're reminding me too, because a, a lot of my students, they have speech and I work very, very closely with any speech teacher that I, that I work with, actually any service provider, but I mean, I, out of 
13 kids, I've got about 10 going to speech. So I'm working with one particular speech therapist and we work so well together. Even today when she popped in, um, we were working with inflectional endings, actually comparing uh, adjectives. And I, I said, oh, this is speechy. You're going to love it. So as <laughs> she comes in, she's giving her her um, scaffolding to the students saying, remember when we had the eggs, we were putting together the words. So now before you even know it, because we had that easy rapport and the kids right. are used to it, now we're almost have a splash of team teaching for a moment in time. Yep. You know, and, and yes. I think sometimes that's all it takes, uh, as well as also knowing about what you said. If you find something that works, use it, support it with one another. A lot of my kids absolutely. will say, can I bring my tools to speech? And she's like, absolutely. Bring whatever you need. And she'll refer right. to them during her sessions. And that's, it doesn't have to be like another thing. I, I, I don't think from my point of view. Right. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Some of these things are so simple um, and so easily implemented that it, you know, you will, you will find those, you know, de defensive, unfortunately. Um, but I think they're more, you know, scattered and rare than most people absolutely accepting of anything that works uh, because everyone's got the same goals. Right. And yeah, so I think that, you know, sharing, it's simple, it's easy and usually very easily implemented. And sometimes there's, there's tools, there's packets that can be, you know, shared, but most of the time, other providers are well aware of the tech that they just haven't tried it or pulled that back out of their toolbox. Right. Right. They might have forgotten about it or, you know, mm -hmm. you know I, I don't know if you'll have an answer to this question, but have any of the students that you have worked with, do they ever advocate for themselves, which then naturally brings everybody together? And if so, how have you seen that? So there, they are too few in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And I think that comes from that lack of self-esteem because they're always feeling that they have to catch up to their peers. Um, but when you do find that student, um, it, it turns the tables. And I always advocate for having a child in the meeting, even if it's five minutes, even if they come and say, hi, my name is so, it's, it puts a face because uh, not everybody yes. around the table always knows who your child is. Yes. Let's say that again. Say, say the importance of that again. And also tell our listeners at what age do you think children should at least have the opportunity to say that hello? As early as fourth grade, I would start if, and if your child is mature, you can start earlier. Um, you know, of course, I always suggest a picture you know, if you're going in by yourself or with an advocate, or but I strongly suggest the child comes down, introduces themselves. There is no pressure, just saying hello. You could start that simply and you can progress from there as they become used to seeing those familiar faces. And a lot of those faces will be familiar to them from the hallways anyway. Yes. Um, but once they're, they gain that traction and they speak about themselves, 
you know, sometimes the simple questions asked in the meeting, even if they just came for that intro, how are you doing in school? What do you find hard? What do you, what do you love? And all of a sudden they're talking and what they're explaining where it'll be very general will have probably been on the agenda <laughs> right? And in one way, shape or form. Right. right. And um, it just, it gives a voice, it gives a face and the real struggle maybe, you know, to everyone at the meeting. And it does, it really helps. And it helps them ask for what they need. They learn to find their voice and they see that there is help and they'll start asking more in the classroom. I just, I've seen a natural progression that's wonderful when they start advocating early. I think that's a great, great suggestion. Advocate early and encourage your child and encourage yes. your students, even on yes. the elementary level, to, to go Definitely. in and see, you know, because I know there are some teachers who, even on the elementary level, are saying you have an IEP, there are goals, there are objectives, this is what we're working towards. So they're starting to hear about what their educational plan is, although they don't truly understand it, they're starting to hear it. Now they can start taking an active role in the right. process. Right. And, and certain things on the IP are easily explained and where they say, okay, I know, I know I get a break or I know I get extra time, you know, so they'll start to learn that there's components to their own education plan. And I really like something we've been trying to implement, um, whereas someone, and I would say maybe a speech uh, therapist or, you know, another service provider can incorporate into their lessons, possibly making a video, obviously with parents' permission, and, and begin that way. So they're not put on the spot, but they're beginning to talk about themselves and explore their needs and their strengths and what, you know, the goals that they have. And um, I've seen a lot of really cute structured avenues of doing something like that, whether it's a PowerPoint or a speaking video, um, it's wonderful. And, they, and they're, they're part of the process. That's and it makes phenomenal. them, it empowers them. Yeah, That's it empowers phenomenal. them. phenomenal, yes. And you know what, it's actually pretty good for the, for the shy child too. Yes, yes, definitely. Again, also a natural progression brings them out and gives them that, you know, self-esteem to move forward. Yeah. So we're in an interesting year, Tina. We're in a year after COVID. We're finally in person all year. Are your experiences different with the families that you are representing now than in the past or the experiences that they're having a little bit different? Yes, 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 and yes. Um, so, you know, I, I have a few clients that, that excelled working uh, virtually. Um, really? But for the most part, uh -huh. they're the exception, not the rule. Right. Um, so, you know, and especially it, the, the issues vary by age range. I've got, you know, preschoolers that cannot really interact with their peers very well. Uh -huh. And there's a lack of identification of emotions there's a lack of speech um, and I don't just mean how they form their words 
you know, expressive and receptive language skills are delayed. Um, literacy is delayed, you know, and this just travels right on up. So it is a struggle. And, you know, compensatory education is, is not really being implemented. Whereas you would have thought there would have been a big push and an acknowledgement that this is what needs to happen, even with our gen ed kids. Talk to us about point. compensatory education, what it is, and how it could help our kids. So, you know, compensatory education is, is literally, you know, in layman's terms, you know, catching somebody up. It's providing what is needed uh, for a gap in educational growth. And we see obviously a large gap after COVID and some it's across the board and some in very particular areas. Some children have IEPs, some do not. Uh, however, many still suffered. And it is, you know, state funded. It is, you know, it is not something that should be an issue at this point. I think it's the, because we have such a mass need, it's in a sense being done in the classrooms. Right. right. And, uh, you know, across the board. And I don't see that being possible. Everyone's still following the same curriculum. Um, there's too much of a need there to, to close these gaps, uh, even, you know, with, you know, they're pushing in the AIS, um, you know, at that building level. And, you know, while it can help for some, there are still others that need more of a, either it's one-on-one -on -one or small group instruction, specialized instruction. Okay. So that's what I want. So give us some examples of what uh, you think that compensatory education should look like. What does that look like? So a one-on-one -on -one individual aids for more students for right now? It is. Well, see, that's, it's so hard to say what that should look like because it's so different mm -hmm. from student to student, depending on their needs. Yep, yep. But, you know, say it's a literacy deficit. Okay. It, that really should be evaluated. The gap, you know, should be no, you know, monitored. Yes, I, I still agree that you should begin in tiers because I never want to overcompensate for a child. They give, you know, I want them to work for it, but there's no progress being, the, the slip through the cracks is what I call it. Um, you know, okay, maybe it's identified and then maybe, you know, that tier one type interventions are being done, a little help, extra help in the classroom, maybe AIS, and they're still falling further, further behind. Maybe their reading level has stayed the same, but everyone else is growing and they're not. So it's still falling behind. And therefore, yes, evaluations, whether it's independent through the school and, you know, finding out what type of instructions necessary and it could be anything from small group to one-on-one, -on -one, some mm -hmm. kind of specialized program, depending on what's going on. Um, I think that some people are too quick to self-diagnose too, you know, because there are some delays and now they're saying, well, maybe they're dyslexic, maybe they're that, you know, and I feel like I've seen so much, the, the, districts, and I always try to not name anybody, but the districts that have stepped up 
and try to put these things in motion quickly, I've seen great growth. Have you? You've seen a lot of children. growth there. I've seen right. a lot of growth with the children, but the ones that just kind of give that extra help or, you know, AIS is not much more than extra help in some districts. Right. Um, it's a, it's a whole nother class size in some districts, you know, right. so yes. It, right. So at, you know, if, if they're not making progress, they have to, you know, they have to be starting something new, looking at something else um, that RTI <laughs> needs to take place. And, it, and I just don't see it happening. And I really believe when it comes to RTI that there needs to be further professional development taught for the strategies that support this is executive yes. functioning. I just had a meeting actually before you and I had met today, and um, he's putting together a program for teens um, to prevent drug abuse because it's happening so early and more than ever, including yes. gambling right now, right? So, wow. Yes. And so we were talking about, you know, education with both educators and, um, you know, you know, my passion is executive functioning self-regulation. And, you know, I, I said to him, we were never trained and student teachers I'm taking in now, are they still not being trained? So how do we expect individuals to provide uh, the, you know, really evidence-based effective strategies unless they have that that professional development and then there's follow through on that and yes. i think that kind of keeps that broken wheel squeaky even though yes even though the intentions are so good people are working so hard day they in are. day out i mean they are six o'clock in the morning till 10 o'clock at night we're getting emails and text messages and yes but what's frustrating to me is that i feel with that professional development with that education comes more stability in your efforts because yes. yeah because you're gaining those tools that really apply across the board um you know and I try to say that to educators all the time like you're not only helping special education children you're helping everyone when you learn these tools it applies to everyone and that you know I, I feel like I always want to yell like please bring this in learn about this here's a book <laughs> you know on your way home <laughs> exactly you want everyone to know what you know when you find things that work yes and and that it's so important to to spread that knowledge and share it and again apply it because and those refreshers it just keep it makes their jobs easier and it only benefits the students so work smarter not harder yes yeah exactly. yeah <laughs> it's always a good one <laughs> it's so true whoever coined that really we need to yeah. find out yeah. because this is the perfect example it is 100 <laughs> percent. yeah and it just takes actually i think sometimes it takes administration to say here's time you know here's a time to learn about the areas that you feel like you're def deficient in or what yeah. are you deficient in and just giving some guidance some links yes. and a small amount of time to because educators and service providers and parents yes they should all know the same thing they really should same child yeah. but 
they they work so hard and they have this passion to help, but they don't always know how. So I think given that okay and the green light and a little guidance, I think we'd find that working smarter, not harder. Yes, I think it, you know, absolutely. You know, it, it is, you you always find people resistant to change. And a lot of times when they're taught something new, they feel like that's a change. When I see some of these tools and tactics that could be used that really don't change your everyday approaches, it's little things you're kind of slipping in here and there, and it makes all the difference in the world. And again, makes your job easier and you the results so much better. Yes. It comes down to even men management, not just learning. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Let's talk about evaluations. Have you seen an uptick oh in evaluations this year? Yes. Yeah. Definitely an uptick in evaluations. Um, an uptick in independent evaluations. Uh, everybody's searching for the whys. Yes. And um of course, you know, we have an, a whole other factor after COVID, yeah. post-COVID education here that um, kind of leaves you in a, a strange predicament, especially when you get to certain grade levels. So like at the elementary age, you're going to have evaluations done. You know, you, you see a deficit, you have an evaluation you see the gap, it's identified, then you, how do you fix it? Um, And when there's not a progression or, or, you know, if there's a disagreement in what they see, they're getting independent evaluations. At the higher grade levels, I'm seeing these evaluations, you know, you kind of cut off that reading levels and, you know, oh, that's okay for, you know, eighth grade, ninth grade, 10th, you know, but the gap is still growing. Why? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, the devil's in the details and that's where good evaluations come in. And, uh, you know, even the type of evaluation can vary from, you know, doctor to doctor, but when you find those key pieces of how to help a child in those evaluations, it's priceless. And, but the uptick in evaluations is immense from what I've seen in years past. Well, because um, I'm going to find out why. What do I need to be concerned? Is it that there's a delay because of COVID? Is, I mean, yes. that's what I'm getting now in my office. I actually have a lot of teacher clients who are bringing their children in looking for that why. Yes. The why? Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. And, you know, nobody wants to wait any, like they saw them struggle through COVID, no matter what school looked like for them. Some were half in, half out, you know, there was that virtual period. Um, but, and then there was the mask period. So, you know, all these things had different effects on what was being absorbed by these kids. And again, especially by different grade levels. Um, but nobody wants to see the gap keep growing. So you have parents panicking. And, you know, some of these kids were very young and now they're in transition years. Yes. So there's a bit of panic about them moving forward and gaining, you know, those gaining on those years where you're learning. You're not learning to read anymore. You're reading to learn. 
and you know, did we, is this where we're capping? Cause it's, it's not okay. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of concern. I feel like parents are starting to open up more, which I'm so happy to see because there was so much of just, okay, the wait and see. Right. And, right. and they're actively involved now. So that's, that's a good thing. Yes. It's a really good thing. Yeah. I see that too. <laughs> I really do. Yeah. More than ever, right? More parents getting involved, really? getting an education. Yes. Yes. A lot, a lot calling and a lot just saying, you know, should I be concerned? What do I do? They're taking their notes. They're taking them home. Yes. They're coming back and saying, this is the strategies that I tried. This is what Excellent. worked. This is what we need to work on. This is what I want to work more on. You know, right. um, yeah, they're really uh, becoming more of an active participant more than ever, which is, yeah. which is so great. And I have to, I have to commend too on Nassau BOCES. They have a whole parent EDU. So if you're a Nassau uh, parent, then they have these, uh, these workshops. Like I've, I've contributed a number of webinars wow. and they're free because the subscription was bought from the district and, you know, parents are signing up for them. They, they want to know. They want to know. And they should. It's excellent to see because it that whole team approach is what gains the most progress. That's right. Again, that consistency across settings to me is what you when you see the best of your child. And that's all that we want. We want to turn their I can't into I can because then as parents, don't we feel so much better? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. I think and you, just to see their faces when they make you know, different achievements and, you know, they're so excited and they want more yeah. and you wind up, you know, progress breeds progress. That's right. So, yeah. I like that. Progress <laughs> breeds progress. So keep on going. That's, yep. that's great. Tina, any last words or advice to, to parents or educators or both? <sighs> Communicate. That is the, it's such a huge piece huge component to all of this it you know communicate 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 whether you think it's big small you know say something share and you know keep everyone on the same page it is the biggest asset you'll have uh because these people are working with your child daily and you're with your child daily and when you two come together that's when the magic happens <laughs> Right. Having an open, non-judgmental, just conversation. I think that's what you mean. Yes. Just have a conversation. Absolutely. doesn't have to be formal. Drop an email. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You have five right. minutes, stop on by. Or, you know, if you have a couple minutes before you pick up the kids, I want to share something with you. So really yes. share those, those great moments or share the moments of concern or, but just say, Hey, we're still here. This is where we're at. Right. Let's try this, you know, and right. feed off of one another. Absolutely. Absolutely. Tina, thank you so much for all the work and advocacy that you do. You're always so willing to share your experience and your knowledge. I hope that you join us again. Maybe we could talk about what um, topics and how different septos can get involved to help their parent communities within those school districts. I would love that. I would love that. And you know, I'll be speaking to you soon. <laughs> Absolutely. I look forward to every moment of it too. 
Yes, thank you so much for having me. This is wonderful. Oh, you're welcome. And ladies and gentlemen, everybody out there listening to us, thank you for taking your time. We hope that you learned a lot. And remember to like, share, and subscribe. Help us get that information out there so we can turn children's I can't into I can. Thank you for listening to the Student Success Beyond Expectations podcast, where school leaders, educators, and parents meet on behalf of children who struggle with learning. To bring workshops to your school or organization, contact Child Behavior Consulting and get started with resources available at childbehaviorconsulting.com, Amazon, and teacherspayteachers.com for ready-to-use resources and children's books. If you enjoyed this podcast, remember to review, subscribe, share, and give us a shout-out on social media.